Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line on this day before Thanksgiving. Delighted that you've chosen to hang out with me. We have a lot to talk about. Obviously, the three NFL games tomorrow, monster college football stuff from last night, and it goes into this weekend. Heather Dinich will join me in just a moment with the very latest on all of that. Dan Graziano later, Sal Palantonio later. Lots to do. I want to begin with two stories that have uh, developed or broken since we finished television this morning. So within the last, actually, these are both within the last half hour or so. In the United States, this is not a story that will reverberate the way it will around the rest of the world. But Diego Maradona has died at the age of 60. That has been confirmed by his longtime lawyer and agent. I can just give you a very brief list of his accomplishments that are sitting in front of me. Played in four World Cups for Argentina, won the Cup in 1986 and the Golden Ball, won nine club titles over the course of his life and is, I think, widely considered to have been one of the greatest soccer players that ever lived. He was a person whose life was very troubled, and he had very well-documented issues with drugs and others, uh, other issues. He had brain surgery recently, was released from the hospital earlier this month, and from what I can put together that I'm seeing on social media, died from a heart attack today. I can tell you that across the world, this is a story that will be met with great sadness and great shock. Again, in this country, international soccer is just not nearly as significant and meaningful as it is in most other places in the world. But he was an icon, an iconic figure involved in some of the most important and um, memorable plays in the history of his sport and unquestionably one of the greatest players and legendary figures in the history of his sport. So I won't sit up here. I will be completely open with you at all times on this show. I'm not going to sit up here and talk about him like I am a member of the soccer cognigenti. This is not my sport. It is not my area. But I have spent a good deal of time in my life in South America, as I've told you in the past. And so I'm very aware of the stature of Diego Maradona on that continent, and in particular in Argentina, where he was essentially a mythical figure, a revered figure. However beloved you think Lionel Messi is in Argentina today, I can tell you Diego Maradona was more beloved and, and, a, and a, a more more larger than life, which is bad English, but is the only way I could think of to phrase it. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this today because I don't assume it's what you want me to. But I know that in this country, there are people uh, whom this will hit very hard today. And so, again, we open with the sad news of the passing of one of the all-time greats in the history of the world's most significant international sport, and that is the death of Diego Maradona at the age of 60. Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. The other news that we got in just the last little while here is that Nick Saban, the legendary head football coach at Alabama, has tested positive for the coronavirus. If that sounds familiar to you, it is because we had such reports about a month ago. In that case, it proved to be a false positive. In this case, it is not being treated as such, Uh, Coach Saban is said to be experiencing very mild symptoms, but he definitively will not definitively will not be coaching this weekend as Alabama plays Auburn. Joining me now with the insight into that and much more is my favorite college football insider, Heather Dinich on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. It's just the best. And Heather, I'm, I'm being told as I'm introducing you that you were on a conference call with information about Coach Saban. So please, what can you tell us? 
Sure. He said that he doesn't have any fever, no muscle aches. He said he's the only person in the whole organization who tested positive. He said he has a little bit of a runny nose, but I feel fine. I asked him if he knows where he got this because he's the only person in the program who tested positive. He said he doesn't know. There's some people who come in and out of his house, but he has no idea how he might have contracted it. And he said he doesn't know if any other staff members or players will have to miss the game because of contact tracing. They haven't gone through that whole procedure yet, but he did say that Steve Sarkeesian will call the plays and take over the day-to-day responsibilities in the football building, just as they did last time. As you mentioned, Greeny, they've kind of been through a trial run of this before when he had his false positive, and he will do the same thing in terms of staying home in isolation and contributing to the team through Zoom for preparation, but he obviously cannot have any involvement with the sideline on game day per NCAA rules. So, yeah, when this happened the first time, it was right before the game against Georgia, which was a monster game against a team that is still right number nine in the country despite two losses, this time against Auburn in what we traditionally call the Iron Bowl and is usually one of the biggest games of the season. Um, how, how, for lack of a better way of putting it, Auburn is 22nd in the college football rankings that came out last night at 5-2. and two. Um, how, how significant is this, would you say, regarding that? Does this put Alabama, in your mind, in some jeopardy of losing this game? Well, um, obviously you always want to have your head coach on the sideline, especially when it is Nick Saban, who's the best coach in the country. But at the same time, Alabama on the field is at least a touchdown best, at least than any other team in the country right now. If there was one thing all of us could probably agree on going into last night's ranking, it was that Alabama is number one. I don't think not having him will be the reason they lose this game. I think if by chance they lose it, it happens because it's a rivalry game and anything can happen in the Iron Bowl. We've seen that before, but I would not expect Auburn to win this game. And I think they will be well prepared. And I think they just have a phenomenal amount of talent this year. Fair enough. So that's the latest on the story of today. And you're right, Alabama, very, very good. They have the second best strength of record in the country, actually, according to all of the metrics that I'm given all the time. Hmm, who's first? I can't. Let me see if I can remember who was first in strength of record. Oh, oh, that's right. Oh, it's Northwestern. That is actually number one in the country in strength of record. I, thank you for reminding me of that. Heather Dinich with me on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. And I introduced you, Heather, as my favorite college football insider of all time. And that is because um, in what I think was honest, but otherwise could have been a blatant act of sucking up to the host on Get Up This Morning, you named Northwestern as the team that you think is the likeliest to get into the top four when this is all said and done um, out of the teams that are not currently in it. Heather, explain for everyone why that is. Well, because they have the easiest path. And by easiest, I mean it's you win the West, you have a chance to knock off Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship, and you're in. You're an undefeated Big Ten champion that would have defeated a top-four team in Ohio State. And I think that they can beat Ohio State, Greeny, based on what we just saw this past weekend, which is Justin Fields turned it over three times, and the defense surrendered almost 500 passing yards. You put that up against what Northwestern did defensively, which was, I believe, five takeaways – 
against Wisconsin, and that doesn't bode very well for um, for Ohio State. So they're not invincible. They're not as good as they were last year, at least what we've seen through this point. But everyone has to remember as well that nobody in the Big Ten or the Pac-12 is in midseason form. <laughs> they're in four-game form, right? So they're still growing and getting better. It'll be interesting to see what both of those teams look like by December 19th. Yeah, Northwestern sitting at 5-0. and They have allowed a total of 10 second-half points in their five games this year, and their defensive ranking is actually number two. I have all of the, I love this sheet, by the way. I, Hembo prints this out for me, and there's nothing I look forward to more than this sheet. There is more information on this sheet, the College Football Playoff Selection Committee Top 25, with all of the metrics that our analytics groups put together. So let's, let's go to the big picture here, Heather, for those who were not with us this morning and did not get to hear your perspective. You had one significant gripe with what the committee did last night. For those who have not heard it, what was that? BYU sank like a rock to number 14. They're undefeated. They are looking up at three two-loss teams. And, and if you're BYU, and my Twitter timeline can account for this, you are so mad this morning. And Kalani Sataki went on TV yesterday. He talked about how his team's going to use this for motivation. And you can pick apart BYU's schedule. It's dreadful. It is dreadful. But the committee chair, Gary Barta, said repeatedly that the selection committee is using eye tests this year more so than any other. If you're watching BYU, watching them, I agree with Desmond Howard this morning, how do you not see that they are better than number 14? Yeah, and the, the, what is the story with the Washington game? I, I keep hearing differing views. People say they're not Washington, they want to play Washington, and there's some talk about them playing Washington, which obviously would be, it's a, it's a power conference opponent. It would be a meaningful game if they looked really good in that game. Then people say that they're ducking that game, and I saw the coach on the special last night saying that's not true at all. What is the actual story there? So a source in the Pac-12 told me that Washington tried everything it could to play BYU. BYU also wanted to play Washington. Here's the problem with BYU and any team out there trying to schedule a game as a non-conference game against the Pac-12. If the Pac-12 has a team in its league come available by Thursday of game week, that game gets preference over the non-conference game. So, Greeny, imagine this. You're BYU. You want to play Washington. You're preparing for Washington all week. You buy plane tickets. You get hotel rooms. You plan a trip to Washington. And then on Thursday, the Pac-12 says, oh, we, we have Utah at Washington. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Who wants to sign up for that gamble? So there's a reason that BYU and any other team out there has to hesitate before you play a Pac-12 team because that is in their guidelines. If a conference team becomes available by Thursday, that's who they're going to play. I get it. I, I, I understand that. The flip side of it is if you play that game, maybe you have a chance to move way up. I mean, the, the, the point is right now they have no chance, right? There is no path. You just talked about Northwestern as an easy path. It's, nothing could be less easy. They have to beat Ohio State, and that's one of the hardest things you could have to do in the country. But it's easy to see what they right. have to do. With BYU, it's easy to see there's nothing they can do. So to schedule this game and roll the dice on it, I don't know. I can see the logic. I understand fully what you're saying, but right. I also see the logic behind saying, you know what? If, if there's any shot at this thing that we have, it's going to be by playing this game. Maybe we should do it. Right. Well, you can you can do that. But then literally right now, this morning, Utah is playing at Washington. So even if they would have said that, 
BYU would have gotten bumped. Oh, I see. That happened. What you're telling me is that is that the scenario in which they would have gone to play the the one that that tore it apart has already come to pass. That that Correct. game wasn't taking place no matter what. Okay, fair Correct. enough. Correct. Somewhere along the lines of this day, I had missed that news. Okay, very good. This is why we have Heather with us here. What else is big stuff here? Let's talk about Notre Dame and Clemson. Mm-hmm. We talked we briefly about it yesterday. Was it any surprise to you that Clemson is ahead of Ohio State? three where Ohio State is four, and is that meaningful in any way? It's meaningful in the seeding, if this is how it shakes out. Because whoever's in that number four spot, you don't want to play Bama in a semifinal. It's one versus four and two versus three. So that is why it's meaningful in that way. It's also meaningful because at Notre Dame at two and Clemson at three, that also indicates that, yes, if Clemson were to beat Notre Dame in the ACC championship game, they both split with their losses to each other. It is quite possible that you could see both of those teams finish in the top four as well because Clemson – would have lost only in double overtime to Notre Dame, and obviously the Irish losing to Clemson in the AC Championship game. But that being said, the other thing to note about this ranking is that there are four Alabama, A&M, Florida, and Georgia SEC teams in the top ten, which also says the committee likes the SEC, and maybe you could see two SEC teams in there. So if I had to pick who has a better chance of getting two teams in the top four, I would say it's the SEC because of the depth over to ACC. Fair enough. And then one more for you, Heather, and I appreciate all of this extra time here. Um, The one team from outside of the usual suspects that, aside from Northwestern, who could crash this party, it looks like, is Cincinnati, which is sitting there at number seven. Now, before I came in here, I think I saw, was their game this weekend postponed? What what chance do they have of getting into this thing? Their game this week, you're correct, at Temple canceled, canceled, and they can't make it up on December 5th because of contact tracing. Cincinnati is actually really lucky that they have opened December 5th because they're not missing two games. I don't think missing this one game at Temple, which they would be heavy favorites in, is going to hurt them. But if, if Cincinnati is going to move into the top four, it obviously has to finish undefeated as American Athletic Conference champions. But then everything I just talked about, about the SEC and the ACC putting two teams in you got to get rid of that so you need Notre Dame to beat Clemson knock them out you need Alabama to beat Florida knock them out of the of the conversation and then you have to have A&M lose at Auburn to eliminate them so that is a lot of pieces that need to fall into place for Cincinnati but I'm telling you they have they're not you're talking about Northwestern number one in strength of record Cincinnati's number four yeah they're number four. They have on paper, they have a case to be ahead of A&M and Florida. So they're not in bad shape. They need a lot of help, though. Yeah. So, uh, strength of record, which it seems to me should be the most important thing. If you, it, it, Again, for those who don't know how this works, they have three different resume rankings that they put on this sheet that I have. There's strength of schedule. There's strength of record, and there's game control. Game control basically means how big were leads were, sort of the style points that we have mm-hmm. traditionally talked about. Strength of record basically is how, how hard has, your, has it been to get to where you are? How, how, how good do you have to be in order to have the record that you have? And again, Northwestern is number one in that. Alabama is two. Notre Dame is three. Cincinnati is four. And Texas A&M is five. It always feels to me that should be the most important metric. Heather, I enjoyed this. Thank you very much. Uh, if I don't get a chance to talk to you, a, a very happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. I've really enjoyed this over the course of the last few weeks, and we have a lot to get to as, as we continue to go forward. So we'll talk to you soon, and thank you. Thanks so much. Happy Thanksgiving. All right, that's Heather Dinich with me here on ESPN Radio, and I invite you to be a part of 
Greeny Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. The college football season is heating up, and so is your favorite Dr. Pepper-loving college football town, Fansville. Head to a store near you to treat your inner college football fan to an ice-cold 20-ounce Dr. Pepper today. That was a lot of college football conversation, but I like it. I, I like this. I like all the scenarios. You know, I'll, I'll give you an analogy. To me, this is what makes college football as special as it is. This is why I have always been against expanding the playoff. And the analogy I will make is one that I will make to the TV show The Sopranos. To give you an indication, Bubba, what, what year did The Sopranos go off the air? Something like the, 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 the legendary last episode of Sopranos, which was so controversial. What year was that? It was something like 2010 or 11, something like that. The last episode of that show, when the, there was that very... Con- 2007, thank you. Well, it's even longer ago than I thought. So 2007, 13 years ago. The last episode of that show airs on HBO on a Sunday night. We came in on Monday morning, and Mike and I spent four hours talking about the last episode of The Sopranos. And we made a college football comparison, which I will share in a minute. As a quick aside, think about how much the world has changed. The notion of saying, spoiler alert, never entered our minds. That was 13 years ago. Can you imagine if you did that now with one of the big bingeable shows that people watch? And I understand most of those shows now are on these verticals. So um, whether you're watching it on Netflix or Hulu or wherever it may be, uh, everyone doesn't watch it at the same time. But even so, even with the shows that, that are on at the time that they're on, like Game of Thrones, if, you, if we came in the following morning after Game of Thrones and started immediately talking about all the things that happened in last night's episode, people would freak out. No one freaked out 13 years ago. But that's an aside. The point of the story is this. We'll make this straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. The Sopranos was one of the greatest television shows of all time. And it had an ending that left a lot of people disappointed. Now, parenthetically, I liked it. But let's, let's even say for the sake of argument, it was a disappointing ending. I would compare that to college football. College football has the best regular season of any sport, and it's not even close. Every game is the playoffs. Put this year out of the equation because this year has been so unusual. But in a normal college football season, the playoffs begin in August. These games that are being played at the end of August, they are playoff games. The loser, as often as not, is done. Close to being done. So those games mean everything from the very beginning. No other sport can say that. The scarcity of it is what makes it so special. And then sometimes the ending leaves you feeling unsatisfied. I remember now, it makes sense now that it's 2007 that we had this conversation because this was before the playoff. The playoff has made the ending better than it used to be. But let's even say it doesn't have the best ending. It is the opposite of college basketball. College basketball has the best ending. The best. March Madness, we don't have a better event than that. There's no better event than that in American sports. It's unbelievable. But because so many teams get into it, it renders the regular season much, much, much less meaningful. So the question is, would you rather have a great TV show that for 150 episodes is extraordinary and the last episode leaves you a little cold, or would you rather have a show that kind of stunk but had a great ending? You probably wouldn't even watch it to the end. How about a book that kind of stunk but had a great ending? You might put it down before you finished it. How about a movie that was terrible but had a brilliant finish? You might walk out of the theater before it ends. So the point of it is, this is what makes college football so great, is all these different things that might happen. And every week, it all gets reshuffled. 
There's no other sport like that. So that's why I always caution, expand this thing at your own peril. Because all these teams are playing games that mean everything this weekend. Everything. And if you expanded this thing to eight teams, it would change everything. Texas A&M would basically be in. Just put them in now. So would Alabama. There would, there, there, would be, there would be almost nothing left to play for. You'd be having meaningless games at the end of your season the way we do in the NFL. Who wants to see that? So again, I say the college football season as it is structured is exactly right. Straight talk wireless, no contract, no compromise. Okay, we're just getting started. Again, I didn't get to almost anything that I meant to there, but that's just because the conversation was so good. Coming up next, a football coach just said something within the last half hour. I literally can't believe what he said. Greeny, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greenie today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greenie, G-R-E-E-N-Y. All right, we've done a ton of college football. We mentioned Uh, And you just heard Christine mention as well the sad passing of Diego Maradona, considered to be one of the greatest soccer players of all time. Very quickly, we were scrolling through, Nuno and Baba and I were scrolling through stories um, about Maradona during the break. And the the SI, so Sports Illustrated, SI.com, in 2019 listed the 50 greatest soccer players ever. And they listed Pele at number two, which I would have assumed would be number one. And they listed Diego Maradona number one. Again, dead today at the age of 60. So at least Sports Illustrated named him the number one greatest soccer player that ever lived. Okay, so um, we have been a bunch of different places. We haven't been to the NFL yet on this show, but that's where we go now. And I told you I had heard something from a football coach in the last half hour that I could not believe. In fact, when this was sent to me, I had to watch it multiple times to make sure that this wasn't being doctored. I'm going to play it for you right now. This is Doug Peterson, head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. You will hear the question being asked to him to begin. It's about the quarterback position. It's about Carson Wentz and his job security and Jalen Hurts, whom they drafted in the second round and all of that. You'll hear everything you need to hear. This was Doug Peterson starting with the question just a little earlier today. Tough decisions have to be made in this in this business, whether it's a, a tough decision to, to move on from a player in the offseason or, um, you know, to the decision now to – whether you're going to make the move at quarterback or not. I mean, though these are all decisions that have to be made by me. But for the most part, I just uh, I focus on the players. I focus on on getting better each day. 
You're not making that move, right, Doug, to a different quarterback? Not today on Wednesday, no. Okay. Possibly for, for Monday? Um, I'm focused right now on getting better today. I mean, okay. we're looking I, – I don't know. I mean, I, I would say no, no, no. Carson's your starter for Monday? Yes. Okay. So what the actual heck is that? Are you kidding me? Have you ever heard an NFL coach – whose team has a $100-plus million quarterback, when asked if this guy is my starter, if you're changing quarterbacks, say, not today. Today is Wednesday. I'm not changing quarterbacks today. And then it sounded like he had to be talked into by the reporter committing to Carson to start on Monday. What the actual heck? This is a mess. This is a disaster in Philadelphia. Now, I happen to have Sal Palantonio coming on in a half hour to talk about other things. He's got a bunch of stuff on the Buccaneers that he was emailing me about during Get Up this morning. I said, hey, jump on the radio show because it's great stuff, and we will do that in a half hour. But I will also play this for him because no one knows the Eagles situation better than he does and get his take on it. Again, that's Doug Peterson saying, we're just focusing on getting better today. So you're not thinking of changing quarterbacks, are you? No, not today. Not today on Wednesday, I'm not. So Carson's your quarterback on Monday? Well, well, mm, mm, yeah, I think so. I think he's my quarterback on Monday. That's unbelievable. I, I'm so I'm so taken aback by it that I recognize I'm not saying anything particularly profound in response because it just seems so ridiculous to me. I don't really know what to say. Interested to see what you think of it. I got another one from a coach. This one I have plenty to say about. This one is the genius Bruce Arians. This one is 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 Bruce Arians who has decided that his knowledge of football is so extraordinary that he knows it way better than anybody else. And that his way of doing it is way better than Tom Brady's way of doing it, regardless of how many championships Tom Brady may have won. Tom Brady won six Super Bowls and appeared in three others, one of which, by the way, he threw 500 yards and his team didn't punt in a losing effort. But Bruce Arians knows exactly how this offense should be run. Here was Arians yesterday just continuing to pile on the extremely the bordering on inflammatory criticism of his quarterback. We've had the guys open. We just missed them. And uh, there are times when coverage dictates you go to that guy. I think we can do a better job utilizing the deep ball in our game plan uh, more of or less of. So each, each and every week so different. But uh, when they're there, we need to hit them. We can't have them going off our fingertips and we can't overthrow them. Other than the deep ball, I think, I think he's getting confused a few times with coverage. Um, that might be causing some inaccurate balls, but uh, I don't see it at all in practice. Um, we're not missing the deep ball in practice, that's for sure. So it's just a matter on Sundays um, hitting them. Here's what I will say. You know, the analogy to this that I would make is if you're the coach of a football team and you have Tom Brady at your quarterback and in your offense, Tom Brady is being confused by coverage That's your fault. You obviously are running something he can't do because Tom Brady has made himself the greatest quarterback that ever lived and the most accomplished player in the 100-year history of the sport by reading the coverage. You are basically saying he can't do what he himself has always done better than anyone ever did it. Here's a newsflash for you, Bruce Arians. You're the problem. Your offense doesn't make sense for this quarterback. 
Your offense is the one that turned Jameis Winston from a first round pick and from a first pick overall and a Heisman Trophy winner into a guy who can't get a job because you just seem to think that flinging it down the field is the only key, the only way you can play this game. When Tom Brady has been playing it a different way at the highest possible level for a very long time. I made this analogy yesterday and I'll make it again. Getting Tom Brady as your starting quarterback, particularly at the age of 43, and leading the league in passes 20 yards downfield, which they do, would be like trading for Ben Simmons and asking him to shoot threes. If you wanted to shoot threes, you shouldn't have gotten Ben Simmons. And if you wanted to throw the ball down the field like this, you shouldn't have gotten Tom Brady. Everyone was dying to have Tom Brady on their team. But if this was going to be your offense, you should have said, thanks, but no thanks. Because what you've done is you've turned him into something much closer to Jameis Winston than Tom Brady. And you're just on the verge of it being too late to fix it. This weekend, they get Kansas City. If that offense, if this Buccaneers offense looks like it has the last few weeks, where he's just no risk it, no biscuiting it down the field all the way, that I think the Buccaneers are in serious danger of missing the playoffs. There are a lot of good teams in the NFC. They're in serious jeopardy of missing the playoffs. The coach has already blown the division. Don't miss the playoffs. Let Tom Brady run his offense. And I think after this season, they might be in a situation where it's either Brady or Bruce. It can't be both. Greeny with you, reminding you that this show is a podcast every single day. You can download this podcast. Each hour becomes its own podcast. The name of it is Hashtag Greeny. You find it anywhere that you listen to your podcasts. Also, my interview podcast is up for this week. It's called I'm Interested. My guest is Tom Rinaldi. He is brilliant. I think you'll really enjoy it. I'm Interested. Also available wherever you get your podcast. Coming up, we look ahead to tomorrow's three NFL games. I'll tell you the most important player in each of them. Greeny, the podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! Splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Life is a series of choices. Who you got? Make a decision. Say it! Say it! Alright, I'll say it. Who you got? All right, who you got brings in hashtag Bubba to the conversation. He will give me a binary question. I will choose one or the other. In this case, we're going to choose winners in tomorrow's three NFL Thanksgiving Day games against the spread. Hello, hashtag Bubba. Yellow. 
What are you planning on doing tomorrow for your Thanksgiving Day feast? Um, you know, some things. Probably some turkey. It's not a, a very nonspecific. I mean, I've heard many people say they don't have as much to do this year as usual. Some things is about as nonspecific as you could possibly go. Yeah, we're going to do some things. Don't you worry about that. And uh, we're going to be watching the Cowboys win, so that's what's planned. He is a Cowboy fan, and they are going to win the division. But let's take the games in the order in which they will be played. So here we go. Hey, baby! Let's do it. And these odds are courtesy of Caesars Sportsbook by William Hill. We'll start, as you said, with the first game, Texans at Lions. Texans have won two of three. And it's Houston minus three. Who you got here? Okay. So not only am I going to give you my picks, but I'm also going to tell you who the most important player is in each of these games. The most important player is Deshaun Watson, who is having the best season that no one is paying any attention to in recent NFL memory. Deshaun Watson right now is sixth in the league in passing yards, over 28, almost 2,900 yards. He's 20 touchdowns, five picks, and his QBR is 72.9. Those are like bordering on MVP numbers. But his team stinks. It is a testament to how badly they were constructed by the coach slash GM who has now been fired for that. That said, he's by far the most important and best player on the field. The Lions have fallen apart completely. They have fallen. They will not get up. It is time to hit the complete reset button in Detroit. I've got Houston in this game. Easy. Give me the Texans by 10, so they will cover the number. And again, Deshaun Watson is the most important player. Bubba. Next. All right, next, 430. Washington heads to Jerry World and takes on the Cowboys in the biggest game of the day, the most important game of the day, where the winner will have four wins on the season <laughs> to take the lead in the NFC East. And this one, it's Dallas minus Three, who you got? Let me start by asking Hashtag Bubba, how confident are you in your Cowboys in this game coming off of what was their best game of the year last year? Well, let me put it this way. Last week, I picked the Vikings (laughs) in my eliminator pool. So that's how confident I am. Really? You picked the Vikings in an... That, that is a violation, I think, of the fan code. No, it, it, well, it actually is. And I actually have a rule to not pick them, but I missed the 1 o'clock window. It was a whole thing, and I, it wasn't good. It wasn't good at all. And, I was 10-0 and 0 going into it. It ruined, it ruined the whole thing. And there were the Cowboys. I have a rule. like I don't pick. I, I have a rule to not pick against the Cowboys, but I missed the 1 o'clock, and my only other option was to pick the Colts, which you know would have won. But, right. Uh, all right. Uh, well, I got good news for you. I'm not in an eliminator pool, but I'm picking the Cowboys tomorrow for sure. And I think they win this game easy. They are the best team in that division. They have the most talent. The names on the backs of the jerseys in Dallas are way better than the names on the backs of the jerseys in Washington or New York or Philadelphia, even without Dak Prescott. With Dak Prescott, I think they would have righted the ship a little more quickly and a little more effectively. But the most important player on the field in this game is Zeke Elliott who last week finally ran for 100 yards. It was the first time this season. The Cowboys, Zeke Elliott has run for 29, in 29 games, he's run for 100 yards in his career. Hashtag Bubba, you want to guess what the record is in those 29 games? 27-2. and two. That's cool. Now, see, now what you did is you just weakened it. By overshooting too high, you've now made my stats sound not as impressive as it would have. So you ruined it. It basically is what I'm saying. Sorry. They're 24 and 5. 24 and 5 in games in which Zeke rushes for 100 yards. Pretty he'll impressive. Make it, he'll make it 25 and 5. He's going to run for 100 yards. He's the most important player on the field and the Cowboys will win by 10. 
Thus, they will cover the number. Now to the nightcap. And the nightcap is Ravens, Steelers, Steelers 10-0 and 0, heading into Thanksgiving. And we got Pittsburgh minus five and a half. Who you got in this one? I'd be curious to know how much this line has moved based on the circumstances. The Ravens, last at last check, and I've been following Jeremy Fowler's reporting on this on Twitter all day. They are scheduled to fly from Baltimore to Pittsburgh late this afternoon slash early evening. But they're waiting on all these test results to come back. They may fly tomorrow. It's a quick flight. They may travel tomorrow, day of game. Generally, that almost never happens in the NFL, but I can think of at least one time this year that it did happen. The Patriots flew to Kansas City to play a night game earlier this season. This is a night game, so the Ravens may do it based on all of the coronavirus testing issues they have. But no matter what happens, they will not have Mark Ingram and they will not have J.K. Dobbins. So they are shorthanded. So overwhelmingly the most important player in this game is Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson has to play out of his mind for the Ravens to have a chance. Because this is a big game. The Steelers are playing for perfection. They're playing to bury their arch rivals. They have to keep winning in order to stay ahead of Kansas City. The Steelers have a lot of reason to play big and play well, and I believe they will. And I believe they will win, but with the number I'm taking the Ravens plus the five and a half, my pick is Steelers by one. These teams play close games. I believe this one goes to the wire. I believe Pittsburgh, as they have all season long, finds a way to win. But I have Pittsburgh winning the game by one point. My my pick is Baltimore plus the five and a half. Matt, who you got with Greeny and hashtag Bubba? A, a very happy Thanksgiving to you, Bubs, and and uh, and whatever the things are that you're doing. I hope that you have a lovely time. Yeah, we'll do some things. Uh, we're gonna do some things. I've got some things to do tomorrow as well. Working is one of them. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be working, and then I'll be eating some turkey, and I'll be watching some football. Meanwhile, I've got a bunch of things to do in the second hour of this show today. So I've got Dan Graziano coming up first and foremost with the very latest on that stuff from Baltimore, which is very important. Is that game? If, I'm sorry, say that again. Uh, we have breaking news from Schefter real quick. Ravens-Steelers game postponed until Sunday afternoon. Oh, my goodness. Okay, well, so we will pause on that thought, and then we will come back with Graziano. And we should call Shefty. Guys, let's call Shefty and get his insight into that as well. Huge news. We cover it next, ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can check out Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Also, don't miss Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 Eastern on ESPN. This is Greeny, the podcast. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.